The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org. I'm here, Boston. Again, I'm your host, Larry Higginbottom. My name is show, as you know, from the trenches, baby. From the trenches. Observation from the trenches. From the trenches. From the trenches. Well, you're listening to WBCA 102.9 FM. Again, listen to WBCA 102.9 FM in Boston. It's hoo-hoo cold out there. Hope you're nice and warm wherever you are. Hope you bundle up. Hope you got a nice cup of tea or hot chocolate and you kick back in your nice, comfortable home or ride in your car, whichever. Hope you're nice and, and warm on this very cold, cold, cold day. It's cold out there. But whatever it is, uh, my dialogue today, this past Monday was uh, Dr. King's birthday celebration, national holiday, MLK Day. I want to speak about today, MLK, the I Have a Dream speech. I want to speak about that. And the reason why I want to cover that, this here speech that this man gave in 1963 has been totally totally co-opted and whitewashed because all we had been told from the very get-go was, I have a dream, I have a dream that one day my children might live in the society and be judged by the content of their character and color their skin. That was a dream. That was a dream. The essence of the speech that he gave on that day was about the condition that American Negroes we're living in the plight of our condition. It wasn't a dream. The dream was what he hoped one day his kid might be, might be. But what we have had here for the last 50 years or so, 60 years since that speech was given, is a total whitewashing of what the essence of the man's speech is all about. About economics. You're talking about the condition of our community. How we were. He described in very graphic detail how he was living. How he had more faith in the Constitution than white people. He believed in those words more so than the, than the writers. And he was not living up to the creed of those words. So he came there to lay out our condition, but also to lay out right, what the future could be. That's the dream part. I've not been to a MLK breakfast in the last, I'd say about 20 years. When I finally read that speech for my, myself, myself, and not just going off what white corporate media put out there as sound bites about the speech and the occasion, but when you read it for yourself, that's why I say all the time, read it for yourself, what conclusion would you come to? When you read for yourself, then you get the essence of what's trying to be said and not white corporate-owned media, right, trying to convince you or influence you and I what to think and what to believe. And so I'm just very disappointed, especially in the church. It shows me that they have not either read the speech entirely or don't give a darn because they don't want to offend White America or the politician who shows up there on the pulpit 
to say these hollow, empty words with no meaning, no substance, and no weight behind them. So they allow these politicians and other dignitaries to come there, January 15th, supposedly showing solidarity, but it's all a charade. It's, it's a charade. And once I read those words for myself, keep in mind now, when King gave that speech, I was born in 1953. When King gave that speech, I was 10. 10. So now I'm 70. And about 20, 30 years, about 20 years ago, something to be about, I actually read it for myself. For the first time, I read it for myself. And I was just appalled when I read it and I saw how he was being celebrated. The two don't go together. And I come to realize why America, the elites who run this country, chose to what say over and over again and play over and over again for the psychology of whiteness, the I have a dream part. Because it exempt the government from being responsible for creating the condition that our people, Ados, the Negroes, found themselves in then and now. Then and now. And our preachers have the audacity to bring politicians up there with a sacrimony ceremony that means nothing. And the favorite word is, we made some progress. We got a long way to go. We got a long way to go. Making progress. Making progress. When we going to get there? When we going to get there? In 1863, President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. He signed that. Well, we're talking over 157 years. 157 years we've been trying to get there. When are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? And so folks use this here occasion as a way to show progress, or we're making progress. But our condition has not changed. You own and control nothing. We're leaving no legacy or inheritance to the next generation, to uh, uh, Gen G, Gen Z's, Gen Y's, millennials, nothing to them. Nothing but a fallacy. And so today I want to speak about MLK, the I, I Have a Dream speech. And I would encourage all of you for more information, read it for yourself. Read the entire speech for yourself and see how this thing has been totally whitewashed. He's been sanitized to make white people feel good. Because the government goes out of its way to make sure that their psyche never has to sit with the horrors that they did then and now to Ados, American-born blacks. They make sure they do everything in their power to diminish or undermine or usurp taking responsibility for the only genocide in this country sanctioned and condoned by the federal government happened to Ados, American Negroes, us, us, second only to Native Americans. The Holy Cause happened to us. It's been going on since we've been here. And this speech epitomized, right, where we were. Because if you read, and that's why I encourage all for more information, read it for yourself. 
in the first paragraph, he says, all right, he spoke about Lincoln signing the Emancipation Proclamation, 1863, right? He says, a hundred years later, the Negro still is not free. He didn't say white women. He did not say Spanish. He did not say, say folks from India or Asians, all right? He didn't say gays or lesbians. He said, the Negro still is not free a hundred years later. He's very specific, very specific who he's talking about, who he was fighting for. But we are, we are seeing propaganda for the last 50, 60 years. He's a man of peace. He loved everybody. That's a false narrative. Dr. King chose nonviolent as the only vehicle that A, could propay, could, you know, show our plight because he knew if he, if he resorted to violence, right, the numbers don't work. They own all the wealth, all the institutions, and got all the guns. So he knew violence would not be the best vehicle to get the Negroes conditioned into like, the national, national consciousness. That's why he chose nonviolence. But folks said, well, you know, he's a man of peace. No, he chose as a vehicle to get our condition in the mainstream. And in his speech, the only people he was representing, representing was us, Ados, American blacks. Because according to the 1960 census, just three years prior to this year, March on Washington, D.C., and for more information, you can also check that out. Here's, here's, here's who, here's the folks who was in the country at that time, 1960. It was 99, 99.1% was, was white Negroes. That was the bulk of the people here at that time. Virtually no Caribbeans. Don, she was no Africans. Virtually, virtually no Spanish-speaking. No folks from India. No, virtually no Asians here. They did, not, they did not even make 1% of the population at that time. And white women, for the most part, were, they was like, you know, in cahoots with white men. That is what it is. So the folks he was fighting for and speaking on behalf were American Negroes. That's why in the first paragraph he said, a hundred years later, after emancipation, the Negro, the Negro still is not free. He is telling the government, a hundred years later, we still are no better off than we were when Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. He goes on to say in that same paragraph, right, that the Negroes are still crippled by what? Segregation and the chains of what? Discrimination. He's talking about the condition that he found his people in. Wasn't no dream. The man wasn't dreaming. So for the last 60 years, thereabouts, the white establishment have used that phrase, that slogan, to exempt the government and the white community for being responsible for the condition that we found ourselves in then and now. Then and now. His speech laid out very clearly where we were. But he also had belief in this, in this republic. 
He said, we come here and we'll check this came back mark insufficient funds. But we don't believe that America, this great country, right, is in a condition whereby some comeback mark insufficient. So he's outlining our plight, but he's also showing that he has faith in this country. And every 15th of January, churches have the gall, the unmitigated gall, to whitewash this man's message. And all you see in the white-controlled media, I have a dream that one day my children might be judged by the content of their character, not not the color of their skin. Ladies and gentlemen, that was his dream, people. That was the dream. But he spoke about the condition. He said, it's obvious that America has defaulted on the promissory note to who? The Negroes. To us. How so? About this default. Opportunities for what? Employment. Contracts. Be to live where you want to live. Due process under law. Health. Everything that comprised whiteness is what he was fighting for. He was fighting for us to be recognized and treated as full-fledged citizens. As full-fledged citizens. And unlike preachers today, God inspired him to come out of the pulpit and go to the street. And use the word immorality, hopefully, to stir some consciousness in the white population about, here's what the words say, look how you're treating us. Look how you're treating us. And so when you read this thing, you see that it's been whitewashed. His message has been sanitized to suit the psyche and the emotion of white people. And preachers who allow their pulpit to be used denigrate this man's message. They denigrate it. And they denigrate us. Because unlike most preachers today, he had the courage to come out of the pulpit and go in the street to show America itself. Here's what you're saying you are. But look how you're treating us. We've been a citizen since the 14th Amendment. But look how you're treating citizens of this country. Lynching. Since 1865, it's 100 years of lynching. It was a national, it's like a, a day out in the park to see my elders, right, marched out by mobs of angry white men and women and children to see them hung, set on fire, body parts cut, cut off and passed around as souvenirs. And not one president from Andrew Jackson down to J.F. Kennedy ever issued an executive order to prevent that. Not a one. Not a one. He was speaking about our condition. But we have ministers who've totally proselytized the pulpit to appease the consciousness of white people. 
And when you read his speech for yourself, you see that the whole thing is propaganda, what they, what they show today. All they show us is what they wanted us to know, which exempt them from being accountable and responsible. I'm not, I'm not, into, the, I'm not into, game, into the blame game. I don't blame. I don't blame. I'd ask one word. Who is responsible? Who is responsible? And the federal government is responsible for the behavior of the white community, the behavior of the states, the behavior of the cities, towns. Federal government is responsible. And when you hear this here, I have a dream on television. For the last 60 years, it's a way of brainwashing, indoctrinating both the white community and my own community that this man was a dreamer. <laughs> he was no dreamer, people. He was no dreamer. He was definitely in tune to our condition and our plight. As speech tells us how we was faring, how America was allowing us to be treated, living in slums and ghettos, rat roast infested, being terrorized by individual whites and the white police. No due process under the law at all for our community. His speech spells out our condition. And so now this man has been sanitized for the last 60 plus years to make white folks feel good and even so-called black folks feel good. Because why? We have traded in in our psyche the ability to struggle for independence and self-determination to be comfortable and conveniency. I'll say it again. We traded in the condition to struggle and for self-determination, for conveniency and to be comfort. And so we also have bought into the lie. And those who have not are ostracized as, you know, they're just radicals. They're extremists. No, they're not. They read the speech for themselves. They see the hypocrisy that every 15th of January, ministers in all these churches across this land, right, have this charade by what the man stood for, what his speech stood for. That's why I say read it for yourself. For more information, I encourage all you, especially Gen Xs, Gen Zs, and Millennials. As a member of Baby Boomers, I can say without no reservation, we have failed you miserably. We have failed you. Because my group opted out for convenience and comfort, and we stopped struggling for independence and self-determination. And Dr. King said the night before he was murdered to Harry Belafonte, he said, I think I've led my folks into a burning building, meaning integration. He said, I think I've led my folks into a burning building, meaning, meaning integration. He wasn't dreaming, people. He had come to see America for how she was. Whiteness is a demonic spirit. There's no respect for morality or justice when it comes to us. And people 
The Negroes have no rights that any white man had to respect then nor now. That's why you see the treatment that many are, are subjected to on these videos. Because us baby boomers stop fighting for liberty and self-determination. And the biggest charade occurs every January 15th in these churches where they haul out their donors, give them a platform to say something nice about we. We. We got a long way to go. Making progress. Long way to go. I'm 70 now, people, young folks. I've been hearing that for as long as I can remember. And the question you had to ask yourself, as Dr. King said in his speech in 63, it's been 100 years since emancipation, which took place in 1863. Speech gave in 1963. It's been 100 years, but the Negro still is not free. Well, today is 2023. It's been 100 plus years, but we're still not free. Think about that. Think about that. Because we stopped fighting for liberty and self-determination. And folks opted out or opted in for, for oneself. Group cohesion, group elevation has left, have left the room. So a few do well while the bulk or the masses, right, slumber there on the bottom. Because we sold the dream for a few crumbs that we don't own. We don't own nothing here, people. You don't control nothing here. I'm speaking now to millennials, Gen Zs, and Gen Xs. If anything, you should take from my group, Baby Boomers. In America, it's what you own and control that matters. It's what you own and control that matters. And don't be hoodwinked by our celebrities who are millionaires, but they don't control them platforms. They don't control none of those platforms that they are on generating big-time money. If I can pay you if I can pay you $100 million or $200 million over five or 10 years, how much am I making? How much am I, how much am I making off your talent? So they're just high-priced properties, people. Because we went the wrong way. And nothing epitomizes it more than January 15th, MLK birthday, when they roll out, you got it, I have a speech, I have a dream, I have a dream. But no one ever articulate the body of what the man was trying to say. He says also, regarding his, uh, this check that came back insufficient fund, he shows you, right, his belief. He said, but we refuse to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. He had more belief in America than white folks had in themselves. Nobody's been more loyal to this country than American-born blacks, Adolf. We've fought in every war she ever had, even for the war of independence, to only be re-enslaved. No, no group. No immigrant group has been more loyal and devoted to America than we have. His word shows that belief in that speech. 
He says, we refuse to believe that they are insufficient funds and the great value of opportunities of this nation. He believed, as we have believed, believed even now. So we come to cast this check, a check that will give us a bond of man, the riches of freedom, and the security of justice. But they don't read. They don't tell you the essence of the body of the speech. He not only outlined our condition, but he also, right, painted the bright future. He believed in this country. And this country took his life. Because the truth of the matter, talking, talking to young folks now, those, those who come behind me, white folks despised him, hated him. He's one of the most hated men of his time. Integration? What, what, what? No, 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 no. We can live together. No, 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 no. Share the wealth. No, 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 no. Naive? Was he naive? Yes, he was. Keep in mind now, Dr. King and all our elders who's out there with Dr. King, right? He's in their 20s when he took on this here monumental task of trying to liberate the minds of white folks to include us as citizens. He was in his 20s. They had no idea what he was up against. That the foundation of his task had a base of 247 years of chattel slavery. Was the foundation. That was the foundation of our relationship. 247 years. But being a man of God, he had belief in the power of God to change the hearts and minds of people. Was he wrong? But he's a young man. Dr. King, when he was murdered, wasn't even 40 years of age. Him nor Malcolm was 40. I think like 39. So here's a young man taking on this monumental task to try to persuade his fellow American, white community, that we as citizens should be treated as such. But I believe, having read for myself now, studied for myself, he failed to understand, failed to take into consideration the foundation of that relationship was based on 247 years of chattel slavery, where we had no rights that whites had to respect, sanctioned and condoned by laws, by government. That's a hard, hard task to overcome. I don't think Dr. King and them realized how difficult that was when we first started. But man, being a man of God, they all believed that anything was possible. With faith and prayer, hearts could be changed. But I think he failed to realize whiteness is a spirit. And that spirit has no morality in it at all. I think as he grew after 1965, he realized what he was facing. That's why he told Harry Belafonte the night before he's murdered, I think I led my folks into a burning building meaning integration. Also, there are other interviews I've, I've uh, witnessed Dr. King speak. This you can also, for more, more information, hear him for, for yourself. MLK, From a Dream to a Nightmare, for more information. MLK from a dream to a nightmare, where he says, and I'm quoting, he says, what we're getting our greatest, greatest pushback 
from. It didn't cost America nothing for us to get right to vote, say the lunch counters, integration. Because why? We're going to their stores, right? We're going to their establishment, spending our little pennies with them. You're not building anything for yourself now. He said, we're getting that greatest pushback. It's going to cost America something to what? Undo slums, ghettos, right? housing, employment, education. It's going to cost them something. Begging the dollars to right that wrong. They didn't want to do that. That's where all these so-called liberal, progressive, you know, Catholic ministers, rabbis, right? They all jumped ship when it came time for the redress. Okay, we don't want to see you getting lynched, you know. We want to see you getting blown up, beat down, dogs holes. We for why? It goes contrary to whiteness. It goes contrary to whiteness. It doesn't fit well. See it on what? ABC, NBC News at 6, 11 o'clock news. How niggas being treated out there, the violence. Didn't sit well with whiteness. So all the rabbis, clergy, they with him on that. They won't stop that. But when it comes time for the redress, the redress now, how do you make these folks whole unless you have policy aimed at them from a action? Civil rights to 64. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. That's reverse, reverse discrimination. No, 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 no. That's, that's reverse discrimination. They all bailed and jumped ship when it came time for the redress. All of them. So again, we was on our own. But all they kept looping and looping on the news was what? I have a dream. I have a dream. And nobody's done more harm to this man's image, what he stood for, than the American black preachers. They have the gall, have these folks up here on January 15th, hollering by, you know, what a great man he was. Peaceful, 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 peaceful. He's for all people. He loved, he loved everybody. Here's a dream. We, we, we going to still work on that dream, that dream, that dream. Propaganda, people. Propaganda. And so, I would encourage all millennials, Gen X or Gen Z, even white people, read it for yourself and see how you have been brainwashed with propaganda. Dr. King wasn't brilliant. He was not dreaming. He was very clear about where we stood at that time in history. The dream is what he hoped could be, what he hoped could be. But the reality is where we are. And despite articulating where we are, he also showed his belief and what America was trying to, what, what, what it said it was, what it said it was, what it said it could be, but it's not showing it towards us, the Negroes. So he showed his faith in the words, more so than white people. Anyway, I'm your, I'm your host, host Larry Higginbottom, name of the show, from the trenches, baby. from the trenches, from the trenches, observation from the trenches. You listen to WBCA 102.9 FM, WBCA 102.9, 102.9 FM. I'm going to take a little break. I'll be right back. And we're going, to, we're going to continue with this here. MLK, I have a dream speech. And I recommend that you read it for yourself. I shall return in a minute. Don't go away. 
some people won't give you the real talk on drugs. But it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is killing people. It's a powerful opioid, often made illegally and commonly mixed with illicit drugs. It can even be pressed into counterfeit pills that resemble prescription medications. Just two milligrams, about the size of a few grains of sand, could potentially be lethal. This isn't an ad to scare you, but it is an ad to make you think twice. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. It's time for today's STEM tip. Okay, you know recycling is important. No one wants plastic in the ocean. Here's a cool way to repurpose a plastic bottle. Build an awesome terrarium. Cut a large plastic bottle in half and fill the base with sand, pebbles, potting soil, and your favorite plant. I chose an African violet. Put the top of the bottle over your base and place it in the sun. Your plant will grow sealed in its own ecosystem. Fun, right? Learn more at She Can STEM. A message from the Ad Council. If you are struggling to afford internet service for your household, there is a new government program that may be able to help. It's called the Affordable Connectivity Program, and it provides up to a $30 monthly discount to qualifying households. Find more information about the program, including if you qualify and how to enroll at FCC.gov ACP or call toll free at 877-384-2575. That's 877-384-2575. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Is this tree good for climbing? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady and the Ad Council. You hear that? This is my Boston accent. This is my Boston accent. Yeah, it is. Shh. This is my Boston accent. This is our Boston accent. Hear it for yourself, discover your own. This is Boston, and we are all inclusive. I'm back, Boston. Again, I'm your host, Larry. Larry Higginbottom, name of the show. From the trenches, observation from the trenches, observation trenches, from the trenches, from the trenches. You listen to WBCA 102.9 FM. Again, WBCA 102.9 FM. My top of the day is MLK. I have a dream speech. Reason why I want to cover this here, I stopped going to these ceremonies about 20 years ago after I finally read this speech for myself and I was appalled at how it was being celebrated and articulated. I was appalled because we had sanitized and whitewashed this man to suit the psyche and the psychology of whites, make them feel good. Make them feel good. The truth of the matter, this man was detested at that time. Detested. He was totally held in contempt and disdain. It's funny, and not funny, interesting, how you can sanitize somebody, take their message, strip it down, and focus on, I have a dream that one day my children will live in a world that they be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. That was the dream, the dream, the dream. 
And the white leadership did not want the world, especially America, right, to hear the reality that the Negroes found themselves in at that time. That's why when you read for yourself, he said, hey, 1865, Lincoln signed what? The Emancipation Proclamation. A hundred years later, the Negro still is not free. He wasn't talking about white women or Spanish or Asians or from India or Caribbeans or African and these so-called other people of color. He's talking about the only folks who's here in America with whites and Negroes. Who was catching hell? The Negroes. Since 1619, the 18, 1963 with the Negroes. He wasn't speaking about white women. About us. And they sanitized and this man's speech whereby A, they could not be held responsible for condoning the treatment that our people was under then and now. He also goes on to say in his speech, there will, never, there will be neither rest nor tranquility in America to the Negroes granted his, citizen right, his citizenship right. He says that in his speech. I say again, there will be neither rest nor tranquility in America to the Negroes granted his citizenship, his citizenship right. Everything is about being a citizen. All the perks and benefits of whiteness. Due process in the law. Able to live where you want to live. Access to meaningful high-income position. City contracts, state contracts, federal contracts, private contracts. The ability to accumulate wealth. All those things of whiteness, of being a citizen that he was fighting for. What about no freaking dream? He also touched on the police brutality. He said, we can never be satisfied as long as the Negro is the victim of the unspeakable horrors of police brutality. Come on, is that, is that a dreamer to you? Is he dreaming? Is that dreaming? He says, no. So why are these concepts, the body of the speech, not as well known throughout America and the world? I'll tell you why. Because from the very beginning, the white establishment made sure that the white community would not be held accountable and responsible for the treatment and behavior that it treated one of its own citizens, the Negroes. It did not want them to be held accountable, responsible for participating in to see a despicable, horrible treatment. So we're going to pick and choose what you're going to hear for the last 60, 70 years. Have a dream. And they can quote you. That's the only thing they can quote in this speech, white folks. Well, Dr. King said, I should be judged by the content of my character, the color of my skin. Now, now I say, okay, okay, okay. What, is, what, what did he say? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Propaganda, baby. Propaganda. Deliberate propaganda. Even my own people cannot, cannot recite the body of the speech. Because we too don't read. We too have been what? Brainwashed. Indoctrinated. To believe the propaganda. The dream. 
Does this sound like this man's dreaming? For more information, I, I challenge all of you, read for yourself. And you see, we have been what? Bamboozled, hoodwinked, suckered. Because why? They did not want the white community to be responsible for the treatment that we have been subjected to then and now. Then and now. And Dr. King was fighting for us to be what? Citizens. Hey, look here. We with you. Look here. We, 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 we all can get along. But share the wealth, baby. Share the wealth. Let us also get these high-paying positions, good-paying jobs, city contracts, state contracts, federal contracts, private contracts. We can get along. We with you. It's a great country. He's, he's acknowledging that. He's acknowledging America's greatness despite her flaws. But the white leadership only wanted to expound on one part of this man's magnificent speech. I have a dream. Because it exempt them from being held accountable. It, it, it exempt our government from being held accountable. Because why well, I've said many, many times, people will only do what government allows them to do. People will only do what government allows them to do. Why do white folks do it? Government allowed it. Lynching, government allowed it. Jim Crow, government allowed it. Convict leasing, government allowed it. Rape, government allowed it. Government allowed it. Then and now, government allowed it. So he was appealing to the consciousness of the nation to no avail. Because they whitewashed it, but what? Well, you know something. We have a dream. We got a long way to go. Got a dream. We're going to keep working. Keep working. Keep working. Even today, white America, the government, will not allow the truth to speak for itself. It is what it is, baby. Dr. King was pointing out not only our reality, but also, hey, we can make we can make a thing better. We want to be citizens and treat it as such. Nobody want to burn nothing down, tear nothing down. Include us, baby. Share the wealth. He also spoke about we cannot be satisfied as long as the Negro's basic mobility is from a smaller ghetto to a larger one. Hello. We cannot be satisfied as long as the Negro's basic mobility is from a smaller ghetto to a larger one. We can never be satisfied as long as our children are stripped of their adulthood and robbed of the dignity by signs stating for whites only. Come on now. Who sanctioned that? Government. Government. They sanctioned that. Who condoned the government? That's why there's a redress. That's why when I hear the Jewish community, like, well, blacks should be with us, what we're doing over there in Palestine. Are you kidding me? They bailed on us when it came for the redress. They was there for, oh, we don't, we don't see no lynching, no beatdown, no dogs, no hoes. Oh, we were with you on that. Or that, that straight up naked brutality. But how do you make folks whole after hundreds of, hundreds of years of keeping them, right, on the outside looking in with your knee on their neck? Got to be a redress aimed at them only. It can't be universal for everybody. At them. Now these turns pop up. Reverse discrimination. Reverse discrimination. You never heard the term, all right, anything about merit, you know, meritocracy, until affirmative action came along. 
Also now, is it qualified? Meritocracy? Because why? Prior to that ordinance coming into existence, right? We just never, ever, ever given opportunity to apply for those kind of jobs or positions. They already knew that. You never heard the word about merit or being qualified before those red laws came into existence. Now everything came down to qualify. qualified. Are you qualified? Meritocracy. Because why? My community was automatically locked out. Don't even apply. You already knew that. But once those few laws came on the book, from then to now, here comes the word meritocracy. Qualification. Is you qualified? Is you qualified? Is you qualified? Because why? Anything that might remotely benefit Ados, American-born blacks, is always met with what? Contempt, disdain, and pushback. Why? Because the foundation of our existence, the relationship is built on 247 years of child slavery. That's the foundation of it. And we have, since 1863, since the Methodist Proclamation, been trying to convince these people that we are citizens, we are human, we deserve to be included to no avail. And all we get is, well, you're making progress. Got a long way to go. Making progress. Got a long way to go. And I'm saying to Gen X, Gen Z's, and Millennial, I would not try to persuade or convince this community of our humanity, humanity, or that we deserve to be included. I have come to this conclusion. The only saving grace in America for us is labor, capitalism. The government made sure that we'd have no capital because our folks was locked out of capital. When America was up and coming, we was locked out by laws, by laws, by laws. We the only group in this country was locked out by laws. That's why the Jewish community, no, baby, Holocaust is not here. We're not here. The only Holocaust victim are us. Since our, since our arrival, government sanctioned, condoned Holocaust treatment towards what? American more blacks. But we still have shown loyalty and patriotism to, to this country. Despite how she treated us, despite how she has treated us, we have always been loyal to America. Then and now. And the only saving grace, young people, is labor. It's labor. If you possess essential high-income skills, you're going to do very well in America. It still needs essential labor. If you possess those skills, you're going to do well. You're going to be able to live well. And also, you'll be able to leave an inheritance for your children, children to get started on. You can also start your own practice. Because one thing that you should be very clear, talking now to young folk, Gen Xers, Gen Zs, and millennials, you look at the last three months of October 7th, this small community, Jewish American, according to the 2020 census, the 2.6% of the 2.6% of the population, 2.6% of the population, that equates to 7.6 million identified as American Jews. But look at the awesome power that they yield. Why? They own and control those platforms. They own wealth. So if anything you should take from this here whole 
situation the last three or four months from Palestine, from Palestine, it's what you own control that matters. What you own control. What you own control. So yes, you're starting from scratch. We are starting, you are starting from scratch. Yes, you are. But the good thing about it, every day above ground, it's a good day. You can reinvent yourself if you understand the importance of labor in America. I'm talking to my, my group, my young people, who's going to be, going to be, who's going to be replacing my group, baby, baby boomers. As we retire, expire, and get out your way, understand that America, it still comes down to ownership. What you own and control. That's one thing I take away from this whole situation in Palestine. This group controls and owns a lot of wealth in America. So it can influence or get, it, get its way, all right, into, 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 the, into the marketplace. Why? It owns those things. It owns those platforms. Which means if you don't buy down or cow down, I'm going to subject you to what? Economic terrorism. Economic terrorism. You will lose your way of life, your quality of life. Because why? I'm going to take your job. I'm going to fire you. I'm going to demote you. That's why I say to you, millennials, Gen X's, and Gen Z, you must understand the importance of labor and owning those platforms that you derive your income out of. You need to understand, I have a dream propaganda. This man spoke about our condition at that time then and now. And I'm just appalled at black churches who allow their platform to be proselytized and this man to be whitewashed and sanitized. When you read the essence of that speech, it had to do with a dream. The dream is what he hoped could be, what he hoped his kid could live. He's very clear about our condition. And that's what I call not having a institution to put out a counter message because we don't own those platforms to say, no, 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 that's a lie. Here's what he was saying. We don't own any national outlet of media to put out there the truth. So as you start to rebuild millennials, Gen X and, and uh, uh, Gen Z, it's about what you own control. But I need for you for more information to read the speech for yourself. MLK, I have a dream. You tell me what you get out of it. I know what I got out of it. He wasn't dreaming. He was not dreaming. That's why he quoted. When we, when we march on, when we go to Washington, we're coming to get our check. He said that. When we march on Washington, we're coming to get our check. Because he understood it comes down to economics. We were dependent on the people to employ us who held us in contempt, disdaining hate. How likely is that going to happen? Not likely. So he woke up, hope you wake up. And for you preachers out there, disgusting. You allow your platform to be proselytized with your white politician who ain't saying nothing. But they say, well, you know, we're making progress, making progress. Got a long way to go, got a long way to go, making progress. Come on, people, come on, come on. Anyway, I'm your host, Larry Higginbottom. You listen to From the Trenches. From the trenches, observation from the trenches, baby. From the trenches. 
Listen to WBCA 102.9 FM. WBCA 102.9 FM. I'll be back again next Wednesday with more information. Again, it's what it is. It's a white man's country. I can, I can promise you. I got no problem saying it. it's a white man's country. They own all the wealth, all the resources, institutions. These are their institutions. These are their policy. They are their direct governing institutions. This is theirs. It's what it is. And they got, got they own all the wealth. They own all the wealth and all the weapons. It's what it is. That being said, how do you not prosper and thrive and see a society-given relationship? Your labor, baby. All about your labor now. That's why you must, you must have essential high-income skills to do well in America. It's a great country. I will not dispute you on it. It's a great, 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 great country. If you have sufficient wealth, it's a great place to be. If you're not, you're going to suffer. You're going to struggle. And we have been struggling from the time we got here. So again, to young folks coming behind us, as we baby boomers leave the scene, as we get out, get out your way, you take over. You now on, on, the, on the center stage. Remember now, it comes down to what you own and control, baby. What you own and control. If you don't own it, you can't say much about it. Here's what it is. Here's what it is. So I'm, I'm about to get up out of here. But I'll be back next Wednesday with a different uh, thought. You know, I'm not, not here to offend anybody. And the reference no feather, but it is what it is. It's a white man's country. It is what it is. But but that being said, you can do well if you possess. If you possess essential high income skills. If you don't, you're gonna struggle. So again, until next Wednesday, I want you to be safe and be warm, you know. I'll be back next Wednesday with a different topic. And uh we're gonna make it do what it do. So again, listen to WBCA 102.9 FM. The WBCA 102.9 FM. I'm your host Larry Higginbottom. And the show is called from the trenches, baby, observation. I'll see you next week. Bye. The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org.